You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. Welcome, everybody. You are listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. Uh, and I'm the guy whose name is in the title of the show. Yes, I'm your host, Al Melchior. Thank you so much for joining me. And uh, got a lot of good stuff for you again today. The uh, Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational Leagues are wrapping up. Mine is actually all done. So I figured I'd take an opportunity on this show to uh, make some observations about things uh, that happened in my particular league, but also uh, look at some general ADP trends there and uh, a lot of good stuff. And frankly, uh, an opportunity to talk about some players that I haven't uh, talked about as much as I probably should have. So so there's that. There's a whole bunch of Mets injury updates. Uh, we have some fallout from the Jake Arrieta signing. whole bunch of stuff to get to. Uh, and also... Uh, the guest for today's show, uh, if you've never played Dynasty League Baseball, you should definitely give it a try. It's a simulation game, but it's different from anything you probably ever played. Really, really cool game. And we've got the designer of the show, the guy who uh, puts the whole thing together every year, Mike Szyzlinski. He's going to be on the show. Uh, and to talk about the game, but also uh, talk about uh, some of the players that are more or less valuable in his format, but also uh, he recently had a conversation with Paul Molitor. So uh, we got Mike out here for more than just to talk about uh, a really cool sim game. So all that coming up ahead. But uh, first of all, as I mentioned, a little bit of a uh, follow-up or fallout from uh, the uh, Jake Arrieta signing yes, uh, that I talked about on yesterday's show with the Phillies. Um, so... To make room for Arietta on the roster, uh, obviously somebody had to be DFA'd, and it was Tommy Joseph. And on the one hand, it, it hit me as a little bit of a surprise, but it probably shouldn't have really because uh, you know, Joseph's uh, value to the team is you know, basically being a backup first baseman. Probably just not really that great. But, you know, the, the thing that makes it surprising is that, you know, two years ago he had a very nice rookie season, a little bit disappointing last year. But, um, yeah, he's uh, no longer on the uh, Phillies 40-man roster. So uh, that's, uh, you know, another player, uh, I guess, to refill the uh, stock of free agent first baseman uh, because we've had so many signed in, in recent days and weeks. So I'm not sure where uh, Tommy Joseph could find a job, but there's some power potential there. Um, you know, just uh, last season uh, for the second year in a row, uh, crashed the, the 20 home run barrier. Of course, the first season he did, it was only in a partial year. So that was, uh, uh, you know, something maybe that he can uh, get back to uh, that, that, you know, closer rate of uh, home run production. But of course, he has to find a job first. Also uh, related to Jake Arrieta, he's told uh, NBC Sports Philadelphia that he's been uh, throwing 50 to 65 pitch bullpen sessions every two or three days. So he feels like he's on track to be ready for um, 
the beginning of the season. Now I'm careful about how I'm how I'm saying that because uh, he's not going to be the, the Phillies opening day pitcher. That's already been determined. That's going to be Aaron Nola, but he's going to be ready pretty much. Uh, it sounds like any time thereafter. So uh, that it, it sounds like we're not going to have to discount Jake Arrieta uh, in any way at this point going forward, which is, you know, which is a good thing. And we certainly can use him at that, at the point of the draft where he is going, because he's part of that sort of borderline group of pitchers, starting pitchers uh, right around uh, number 30 or so, 25 to 30 region where things start to get a little scarce. And if you've uh, fallen behind where you wanted to be in terms of, you know, filling your starting pitching, if you'd hope to have, Maybe your number three starter at that point, which I think Jake Garia should should be. I think he should be your number three starter in a deeper league or in a pinch. Maybe he can be number two. But uh, you know, you, you get the general point. I think that once you get to that that point of the draft, any uh, reliable arm that you can uh, land at that point is going to be a welcome addition to your roster. Now, probably the biggest news. Uh, in terms of things that have happened today, was that the Rangers optioned Willie Calhoun to AAA Round Rock. So that was initially reported uh, by MLB.com. And Calhoun was uh, certainly intriguing a lot of owners uh, in drafts up to this point. Uh, I, I don't think this should really hurt his value too much, to be honest. It could be perhaps a service time consideration. Maybe the, the uh, Rangers organization just wants to see him spend a little bit more time in the minor leagues. But uh, in terms of the direction that they're going for left field, DH is going to be uh, Shinsu Chu. So we're probably talking about left field for Calhoun this year. And uh, I talked about this on an earlier show, a recent show, that they were considering going with a platoon of Drew Robinson and Ryan Rua. And so that now goes from this, you know, someday maybe scenario to what looks like the most likely scenario going into opening day. And uh, it's not really great news for anybody, to be honest, because if it's a platoon, Ryan Rua is probably not going to play a whole lot. Uh, Drew Robinson would get the bulk as the the lefty hitter, would get the, the bulk of those starts, I would think. But I also would view him as sort of a, just a seat warmer for Calhoun. So it, it raises uh, Robinson's stock, certainly, uh, uh, quite a bit. But I just I don't really trust the long-term picture for him. And it's unfortunate that there's not room for both of them. And who knows? I mean, Shin Chu, he's got a, a lengthy injury history. Maybe what happens is Robinson and Rua settle in in left field. Uh, you know, maybe Chu is hurt. Calhoun DHs. Uh, of course, that's not. <laughs> sorry, it's not great for uh, Chu, but um, you know maybe that's one path where everybody uh, gets some playing time. But uh, you know, bigger term, uh, longer term picture is that I think you know Calhoun. You still target him uh, in twelve team mixed leagues because he's just got an incredible skill set of power and plate discipline. His time is going to come. It just might be, you know, could be mid to late April, could be May. I, I'd be actually very surprised if it was much later than that, and I would draft him accordingly. 
Uh, getting to those uh, Mets updates that I mentioned at the uh, at the top, uh, Michael Conforto. This is actually really big news and good news uh, for Conforto owners. He is targeting a grapefruit great grapefruit league debut next week, which is coming up soon, believe it or not. And that's at I think worst case scenario putting him on target to come back around May first, which is what he's been aiming for. And maybe he could even beat that a little bit. Now we don't want to get uh, in terms of you know making this an actionable thing for drafts. I wouldn't get ahead of myself and expect Conforto to be back, um, you know, far ahead of May 1st, I'd be thrilled. I'd be thrilled to wait a little over a month to get uh, Michael Conforto back once uh, once uh, the season's underway. But uh, anyways, very good initial news. We've got a long way to go. We'll see if he actually makes the debut next week, you know, how he fares through the rest of spring training. But this leaves me very encouraged. And Conforto has just been falling and falling and falling in drafts. And, uh, you know, there's not only the question of, you know, is he going to hit this May 1 target and what's going to happen the rest of spring training, but is he going to be, you know, 100% in terms of health and performance? So, again, I don't want to overblow this. But given that he is falling, that you're not really going to have to pay a lot or give up a lot, to get Conforto on your roster at this point and that there is that possibility that he comes back. But let's look at best case scenario. He comes back in the latter part of April and he's as good as he was last year. That's incredible value. So from that standpoint, uh, this is very encouraging news. Yonas uh, Cespedes was scratched from the Mets lineup today. According to Newsday, he has a sore right wrist. Uh, this is apparently an injury he sustained uh, several days ago. So um, that's uh, now a situation. You got good news for Conforto. Not so good news for Cespedes. Uh, I guess that's just how these things balance out. Uh, David Wright, he is uh, not going to have any baseball activity for eight more weeks due to continuing uh, issues with his shoulder and lower back. That also, uh, according to Newsday, in a report from New York Post, Anthony Swarzak is going to pitch tomorrow. That's Wednesday, or uh, I'm sorry, yes, tomorrow, Wednesday, in a uh, minor league game. So he is uh, coming back from a calf injury sustained uh, early on in, in spring training. In some uh, good Dodgers news and just good news, period, for fantasy owners, Corey Seager played in a B game on Monday, and uh, according to reports, the elbow feels good. So uh, good progress there for Corey Seager. And according to MLB.com, JT Romuto uh, is going to get a few more days off. Uh, Don Mattingly wants to uh, take it easy on him. He had a uh, very minor uh, knee issue a few days back. More recently, he uh, sustained a bruise to his back. And apparently his back is still sore. But... Uh, Mattingly, uh, Don Mattingly is still convinced that uh, Real Buto is going to be ready for opening day. So no need for panic there, at least uh, not yet. It does not sound like an injury that should prevent him from being ready for an opening day. Robinson Cano, we got a few Mariners notes here. Robinson Cano has a grade one strain in his left hamstring. It says he's going to need five to seven days. 
and uh, he left yesterday's game uh, due to uh, his his leg not feeling well, but uh, he says he is not in in any pain. So that's frankly a little bit of a, a mixed uh, sounds like a mixed report there on Felix Hernandez, but or I'm sorry, uh, not Felix Hernandez. We're getting to Felix Hernandez, uh, Robinson Cano. So I apologize if I uh, mixed up my my reports there. So Robin, Robbie Cano, uh, not in any pain, but still needs. It sounds like roughly a week to recover from a left hamstring injury. So let's get to Felix Hernandez before I confuse anybody else with that, with him. Uh, he threw a bullpen session today and uh, thinks that he could be ready for opening day. And so uh, that comes to us from the Seattle times, but uh, the injuries just keep coming for the Mariners. Marco Gonzalez got hit yesterday by a comebacker in his right hand, had it checked out. No broken bones, fortunately. So, not the worst situation there for Marco Gonzalez. Of course, he's been conv- competing for the fifth spot in the Mariners' rotation. There's already issues there, of course, with Felix Hernandez, as we just talked about. Um, Erasmo Ramirez dealing with an injury. And now Gonzalez uh, dealing with uh, some sort of hand injury, but not broken bones. And he is going to continue to throw because the he was hit in the right hand. So as a left-hander, he's going to be able to continue to... Uh, to throw, uh, but he's going to need somebody to actually catch for him. So uh, he'll make that arrangement work for him, and uh, hopefully he'll be able to continue to compete uh, for that rotation spot. And uh, Jarrell Cotton, not great news for him. He's got a sore elbow. He's going to have an MRI and will definitely not make his next spring training start, according to MLB.com. He is part of a group of uh, five starters that are trying to fill the three spots behind uh, Kendall Graveman and Sean Manaya. So uh, this should have uh, perhaps some kind of ripple effect on Daniel Mengden, Andrew Triggs, Paul Blackburn, and Daniel Gossett. Those are the others competing for those uh, spots in the A's rotation. So got a few more uh, items to get to here. But first, let me remind you once again to check out Fantrax.com. You can create the ultimate dynasty, keeper, or redraft fantasy league using Fantrax's free commissioner product. Find out how it feels to have the deepest player pool, multi-team trades, plus player salary and contract options all at your fingertips, and all of which are fully customizable. With Fantrax Treasurer, you can set your league entry fees and safely distribute payouts without a third party so that you don't have to go and track down owners for payment. And when you sign up for a Fantrax League, there's a little box at the bottom of the form for the promo code. Don't forget to fill out the promo code. Very important and very easy and quick because the promo code is AL. A-L. Enter the promo code AL for a chance to win 10 private consultations with me. Uh, This is a package of consultations that I do by phone or by Skype uh, that I sell on my blog, almelker.com, for $109.00. You are in a, uh, the running to get that whole package for absolutely nothing when you sign up for a Fantrax League and enter the promo code AL. So find out why Fantrax is the home of fantasy sports. Check out Fantrax.com today. Okay, so a few more news items as we head into uh, the first break here. The Rangers, contrary to what I said on the show a couple days ago, Rangers are going five-man rotation again. Uh, I did mention very offhandedly on yesterday's show that Matt Bush was going back to the bullpen 
at that point, I didn't know if that meant that they were still going to go with six pitchers in the rotation, but uh, not the case. They're going to go with the traditional five-man rotation. Uh, So you got the first four pretty much sewn up, uh, Cole Hamels, Matt Moore, Doug Fister, Mike Miner, and then you've got some combination of Martin Perez, who's still working his way back from injury, and uh, Bartolo Colon, uh, as well as... um, uh, Chavez, uh, who was recently signed this offseason. So uh, you've, you've got uh, that group of pitchers uh, vying for the fifth spot. Uh, Zach Davies pitched uh, in an intra-squad game, had no issues. So it looks like he's put the oblique strain behind him. So uh, that helps solidify the Brewers rotation situation for opening week just a little bit. But uh, still a little bit of uncertainty there with the last couple of spots. Anyways, got some other uh, items as well. I will have to save those for later because we've got to head to break. And uh, when we come back on the other side, Mike Szlinski is going to be here. So stick around for that. Be right back. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there, where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. Thank you so much for uh, joining me. And as promised, uh, I said right before the break, we'd have Mike Szlinski here. And by gosh, he is here. So uh, the uh, designer of Dynasty League Baseball, formerly known as Pursue the Pennant. Mike, thanks so much for joining the show. Great to be on, Al. Yeah, and that's, uh, it's, uh, it's been a while. And, of course, you know, uh, I used to uh, be in South Florida. You're still there. So uh, it's been a while uh, since we've touched base. But, um, you know, you, you, well, first of all, I, I want to get into your conversation with Paul Molitor because I can't wait to hear uh, what you might have learned from him. But, uh, I, you know, first, I should introduce uh, you and, and the game to the audience a little bit for people who aren't familiar with it. Um, so Dynasty League Baseball, it's a sim game. It's not a, a current season sim, but you can play, what, virtually any season in the past, right? Yeah, there's a lot of past seasons that we have. As far as the leagues, most of them are playing with the current season. So what happens is that you're playing with the past season player cards, but you're using the official rules that are very similar to the official rotisserie league rules in a dynasty format. So players are signed to three-year contracts and options for the fourth year. So when you draft a player in an auction draft, you have to think about the future because you're going to mm-hmm. have these players unless you buy them out. And you, obviously you don't want to buy the players out because it's going to reduce your amount of money you have for the draft and your budget. So, 
Okay, so and and I know you uh you know you have a lot of fun getting the the cards uh, ready every year. You know, looking back on the past season, I'm going to ask you about uh, some of that process from this this past year. Um, so, well, I'll I'll dig into the game a little bit more, but I do want to get to this conversation uh, with Paul Molitor. So, you were at spring training down there in Florida. You went to Fort Myers. And um, I, I take it this was a chance meeting that you, you've got a past relationship here. Um, but uh, what what, uh, what was the nature of the conversation you had with Paul Molitor? Did you learn anything that we as fantasy owners or sim players uh, would, would really love to know? Yeah, this was a couple of weeks ago. Uh, this is when the twins came over to Jupiter. So it was, actually wasn't oh. in the Fort Myers. It was when they okay. came over to Jupiter and uh, it was over uh, – I saw him when he was um, in batting practice before the game. And the funny thing was that uh, he's taking throws over at first base, and uh, he spotted me right away behind the, uh, the uh, batting cage behind home plate and came over after he was done. And uh, I asked him if he's going to put himself in the lineup as player manager. And he just kind of laughed, kind of laughed and said, no, I know I'm past that. So uh, no player manager scoop for uh, Paul Molitor and putting himself in the lineup, although he probably could be one of those players that uh, you could go out there and he could still hit, you know. So, um, But we did talk about um, some of the changes in the Twins analytic department. Um, they had a big changeover with their general manager and now Derek Falvey and Thad Levine are the VP of baseball ops and the general manager for the twins and they've changed a lot of the personnel in the analytics department. So we're talking about that and some of the mm-hmm. things that were changing in the entire twins organization. So, uh, that was some of the things that we talked about. We also talked about, um, I'm having a tour tournament that I'm leading up to target field and, uh, trying to get Paul to appear with us, before the game and have our tour tournament participants uh, have a chance to meet him. So that'd be kind of a fun thing. It's in May. It's uh, when the Brewers are up uh, playing the twins for the first time in a weekend in a long time. Um, but Paul and I go way back. It, it just uh, quickly, he was basically responsible for helping to launch and getting the venture capital way back uh, when he was playing for the Brewers. He appeared with me on the cover of the uh, Milwaukee Business Journal. And within a month of that appearance, away we went with the uh, venture capital. And uh, that was the start of Pursue the Pennant and and now Dynasty Baseball. So uh, um, definitely – a bit played a big part in getting things started for me. So I always appreciate that. Uh, that's fantastic. Well, okay. So well, definitely more than just a, a chance meeting there. And uh, well, by the way, uh, if you're just tuning in, I'm talking to Mike Szlinski. He's the uh, designer of dynasty league baseball. And as he just alluded to formerly known as pursue the pennant and Mike, I'm glad you, you alerted me to this before the show. Uh, Cause I was going to, you know, send people to your, your personal Twitter account uh, my, at Mike Szlinski. But, um, you can also uh, find uh, Mike and, and all kinds of information about the game on Twitter at Pursue Pennant, at Pursue Pennant. So do do go check that out. And what are the different ways? You you talked a little bit about drafts. Uh, what are the different ways that people could play play Dynasty? Because uh, I know from my own experience, uh, 
there's, you know, a bunch of different ways, uh, you know, from. Yeah, playing, there's, there's yeah, several I'm ways. Sorry. There's um, now we're into uh, March Madness. So think of like the greatest baseball teams of all time in a March Madness bracket. Well, that's what you can do. It all happens in real time. So you just pick your favorite greatest teams and you're playing live nine inning games in a multiplayer environment and the brackets updated, the games are updated all in real time. And it's single elimination, just like the uh, March Madness bracket, but every game just feels like game seven. It's like really a adrenaline rush playing in those bracket tournaments. And then the other thing you can do is get in the greatest teams publicly, which are 162 game seasons. Um, and if you just wanted to go ahead and pick a series to play either solitaire or with a friend, you can do that either from some of the current seasons or past seasons. And then probably the most popular format is what I touched on before are the private draft leagues. And as I mentioned, they follow the rotisserie league rules adapted for simulations. So they're a dynasty format that continue from one league to the next. Um, and we've got probably close to a hundred leagues out there right now. And there's, uh, openings right now, either at the private league directory, um, or we can go into our Facebook group. Um, there's openings that are being posted, but that's a really intense type of fantasy format to get involved with because there's so many factors that have to go into the consideration of the draft to go beyond fantasy when you're talking about a simulation. So you actually are going to be playing real live games once you draft your players and you're going to have box scores, um, game summaries, and then all your stats and standings and are updated in real time. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's very, it's very in-depth in and intense and takes into consideration, uh, I'd say, a more of an expansive uh, group of skill set for each player in terms of incorporating his range, his throwing arm, uh, things like that. The ballparks, obviously, you're playing in all the different ballparks, so they all come mm -hmm. into play as well. Yeah, so it all it all matters. Uh, that, that, you know, that's the thing is, you know, it's not just defense. It's, you know, breaking down into different defensive skills and players getting ratings for all those different skills. Uh, you, the, the, the park factor matters. So, uh, you know, if you like fantasy, but you want to incorporate more of these, you know, realism factors, uh, you know, th these games are, are one way to go. Uh, now you, in the off season, you come up with a, a new set of player cards with new ratings for everybody. Uh, how does that work? I mean, is, do you sort of just work with the baseline of the prior season? Or do you just kind of start with a blank slate with every single player and say, okay, you know, Andrelton Simmons, what's his range rating going to be this year? What's his arm rating going to be? Uh, and really starting from scratch. Pretty much starting from scratch, Al. I would say if a player tends to be on a gray area in a rating that is um, – more of a manual rating instead of a calculated rating that his career numbers could swing him one way or the other. So um, one thing I want to touch on before, before we leave that last topic, another big part of simulations is the lefty righty split because that's so important in managing. And even as a general manager, determining 
what your lineup is going to be, what your pitching matchups are going to be, um, who you're going to bring in from the bullpen. So all the players are rated for their lefty-righty splits. So I just wanted to mention that as well. Oh, yeah. No, that's that's important. Yeah, absolutely. You know, in a game like score sheet, too, uh, that's, you know, that's a critically important factor that you have to uh, account for. So, um, okay, but, so it gives me an idea about the ratings. Now, uh, so, you're, you know, you're doing quite a lot of research on every player in the offseason. Was there anything this offseason, uh, as you put these uh, cards together, that, you know, surprised you thought well, I didn't realize this player was going to be this good in this area or this bad in this area or just something that struck you as even sort of, you know, funny uh, that came up? Um, I would say, you know, with a lot of the younger players, it's always interesting seeing their ratings. You're rating them for the first time. Um, and uh, players who, like, for example, Austin Hedges, uh, his ratings um, included an A catcher handling rating, which is based a lot on his um, pitch framing. Mm-hmm. So that will definitely help him uh, and the whole team, whole, the whole staff, in terms of certain results. It, it can change from, uh, let's say, maybe a walk into a strikeout, but he can get that extra um, pitch that he's, he's, he's framing. Um, Another example might be Albert Pujols, who we all know is really slowed down a lot, but I didn't know he slowed down quite this much. Uh, the StatCast data on him had him rated as the absolute worst or, or slowest, I should say, base runner in Major League Baseball. So on a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being the best and 1 being the worst, he rated a 1. So, um, yeah, he's definitely got problems with that plantar uh, injury for a long time. Yeah, so that's really slowed him down. Uh, Another player that um, slipped a bit uh, defensively was Joe Panic. Um, His range went down to a D, which is below average. Um, Another player that stuck out um, as being – that surprised me a little. I didn't realize he was this athletic was JT Riamuto. Um, his base running was a seven, which is really high for a catcher. Um, mm-hmm. And his stealing is a four. Um, so those are ratings that you might see from, uh, you know, a center fielder, uh, outfielder. So it kind of reminds you of uh, some of the, uh, like Jason Kendall, maybe even going back that far, of catchers that were getting big numbers of stolen bases and could really run well. Um, another player who you expected to have really good numbers just based on his historic season was Giancarlo Stanton. So it was interesting to just see just how many home run numbers he had on the range of numbers that's on his card. Um, for people who don't know, the batter's cards have numbers from zero to 499. And then the pitchers mm-hmm. have numbers from 500 through 999. Well, on Giancarlo Stanton's card versus right-handers, he's got home runs in the range from 143 through 204. So that's about a 61 number gap or range there. And uh, that's a lot of home run numbers to have on the card. So uh, this is like Christmas for the Dynasty baseball players when they get these player cards because it's so exciting just looking through all the ratings and seeing, you know, which rating you're 
player has on your team, and then of course preparing for the draft and uh, seeing what's out there in terms of all the different player ratings. So um, it's a lot of fun really going through all that. Yeah, no, it def- definitely is. Uh, you know, there's there's uh, Mike, you know, cliche of certain players being more valuable in the real world than in fantasy. Uh, and, you know, given that your game uh, does, you know, aim to uh, bring in more realistic elements. Uh, are there players who uh, are just their their value in, in Dynasty uh, League Baseball is just radically different than what it would be in fantasy? Uh, you know, so you talk about Giancarlo Stanton's obviously his appeal carries over quite well. Uh, but there are there certain players who are really just, you know, overlooked in, you know, say like a roto format, but are just absolute studs in Dynasty League Baseball or vice versa? Yeah, so as far as the players who would perform better in Dynasty Baseball compared to Fantasy, uh, you could probably put them into categories, but just to give you specific examples, uh, almost any middle reliever. Because in Fantasy, you kind of ignore the middle relievers. Um, they're not really the players that are going to go for high dollar amounts, but they probably would go for higher dollar amounts in a simulation league. Um, think about like the Yankees with their middle relievers when they had Adam Warren, Tommy Canley and Chad Green. Uh, that was quite a trio to put out there. They're not going to give you any saves in fantasy, but in the simulation, yeah. you can put them in there in a fifth inning. We saw Chad Green came in, what was the second inning or first inning in the playoffs? Um, so you're able to use those pitchers in the middle innings, and they become a big, big factor. Um, another uh, place where you'll see a big difference is a player like Angelton Simmons, who had a range rating of A+, which is historically great. And of course, in fantasy, uh, the defense really wouldn't even come into play, but that becomes a big, big factor, having someone in the defensive spectrum at shortstop uh, uh, with that kind of a rating is going to save your pitching staff a lot of hits and just make overall defense just that much better. Um, catchers are another area. So a player like Yadi Molina, who maybe is a marginal pickup in fantasy, becomes more valuable just because of his defense. Um, he's got a good throwing arm, which is uh, minus one last year. He has a B catcher handling. He's got A range. Range for a catcher isn't used that much, but think about um, there might be dribblers or tappers up in front of the plate. Um, obviously, bunt plays come into play. Um, he has an air, 80 air rating, which is really good. So that prevents right. him from maybe throwing, making a throwing air, that type of thing. Um, okay. Well, you then, just provided – oh, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry, Mike. Uh, I was going to mention one more. Uh, Buxton is a really good example. He had an A-plus ah, yeah. range rating and a base running 10. So he would really stand out in terms of uh, uh, someone who would be more valuable. Okay, yeah, that totally makes sense. And I'm going to talk about Yadi Molina after the show, but we're going to head to break right now. Mike, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. And folks, uh, check uh, check him out on Twitter, at uh, Pursuit Pennant. Thank you again, Mike. Great. Thank you, Al. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone, we promise. No weird viruses, no strange tracking things. 
just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. And uh, thanks again to Mike Zizlinski of Dynasty League Baseball for uh, dropping in with us for a segment, talking about his game, talking about his chat with Paul Molitor, uh, just talking about some cool stuff with sim games in general. So uh, check it out if you haven't uh, already, uh, Dynasty League Baseball. It's a fun, fun game. Pardon me there for a moment. Uh, All right, well, I need to tie up a few loose ends with uh, some news items I get to earlier. Uh, as promised, I've got a little bit of uh, post-mortem analysis with my uh, great fantasy baseball invitational league with the draft, not the league. Obviously we still have to play that out, but uh, as far as some of those uh, news items, the uh, Neil Walker deal, that was just an agreement. Uh, when I talked about on yesterday's show, it is a now official. It's a one-year deal worth $4 million. I was also one of the listeners uh, alerted me to the fact that after I said that I, I frequently uh, will say Todd Walker when I mean Neil Walker and then called him Todd Walker twice after doing that. So uh, I'm going to uh, look to start a new streak here of properly calling him Neil Walker. Uh, Neil Walker last season uh, bad 265 with 14 homers. In 111 games with the Mets and the Brewers, and as I mentioned, uh, took sort of a a strange and interesting turn with the Brewers, posting a 409 on base percentage uh, with just an otherworldly walk rate. Not sure that we can necessarily expect that kind of OBP from Walker with the Yankees, but um, you know, certainly going to be a nice environment for him to uh, maintain or improve on his generally solid power numbers. And uh, you know, knocking some runs in, so uh, he he gets some nice value there, uh, batting with the Yankees, and that that deal now official. Also, uh, something that is is now uh, been been done is that uh, Jose De Leon had his uh, Tommy John surgery. That was uh, earlier today, Tuesday, uh, initially reported by the Tampa Bay Times. So, of course, uh, as already understood. He will miss the 2018 season. And this is to follow up on uh, something I discussed on the show. Uh, I think it was last Friday. Covered a bunch of players who were going super, super late, like outside the top 300, in many cases outside the top four or 500, who have some 12-team uh, mixed league value. And I was, you know, scratching my head. Why is Jock Peterson going so late? Because it seems like he's just an absolute cinch to get at least the bulk of the starts in left field for the Dodgers. Well, it's a good reason. <laughs> may not may not actually be the reason why uh, he wasn't being drafted higher, but now it looks like he may be on the outside looking in for that race. Uh, nothing's been determined yet, but according to Andy McCullough of the LA Times. Andrew Tolles has really played himself uh, into that competition. Uh, in fact, he uh, McCullough tweeted out something to the effect of uh, Tolles isn't in the discussion to be the regular left fielder. He is the discussion. 
So that seems uh, pretty definitive. Uh, so good spring. Excuse me. Good spring for Andrew Tolls. So, yeah, don't uh, go out of your way to uh, draft Jack Peterson, but maybe, you know, instead with that last round pick, think, uh, you know, think about Andrew Tolles as a possibility because if he's fully healthy, which it appears that he absolutely is, some good uh, power and run production potential there from somebody who could be getting the bulk of the starts uh, in left field. All right, so uh, before I get on to... uh, a recap of what's been going on in the great fantasy baseball invitational leagues and particularly league 13, which was my league. Uh, just a quick note here, fancy factor. It's the perfect daily fantasy site for the casual recreational player, flatter prize pools, smaller fields and single entry contests. Only fancy factor always has fun contests going on right now. There's free entry, a March madness, uh, March madness bracket, and a sweet 16 bracket bracket. Excuse me. And also, Fancy Factors is running a one hundred thousand dollar home run derby th- this year. Simply sign up and enter at www.fantasyfactor.com. So if you've been listening to this show or maybe uh, you know a number of podcasts, fantasy baseball podcasts, you know all about the uh, great fantasy baseball invitational. Justin Mason put this thing together. It's fantastic. 195 uh, teams competing across uh, 13 different leagues. So uh, I was in that league number 13. Our draft is done. Uh, And all the drafts at this point are either completely finished or in the reserve round. So everybody's gone at least 23 rounds. Some. Pretty happy with my team overall. I've got to got to say, um, you know, I start. I didn't uh, get a pitcher. That's uh, you know very early. That's the, the maybe the one thing that I I didn't really count on. But um, you know, I started off well. First of all, I had the fifteen sixteen turn. So you know that's that's its own special challenge. But given that's a fifteen team league. I was pretty happy to wind up with Votto and Bryant out of that first turn. And coming out of that, you know, taking Bryant, I could have taken Jose Ramirez. I could have taken uh, Manny Machado instead. But, you know, I got Elvis Andrews with my third pick, which is obviously it's a big step down from Machado if I were going to play Machado once he becomes shortstop eligible, but still pretty happy with that value. Got Whit Merrifield with my fifth round pick. Um, you know, I thought that was pretty good value. So, but I, I, you know, I waited a little longer on starting pitching and on outfield than would have been, you know, optimal. But you know, again, when you're on the turns, it's you know sometimes you just gotta, uh, you know, go for uh, the positions where you just you absolutely know there's going to be an immense drop off by you know the long, long after the long wait when it comes back to you. So my my number one outfielder is Justin Upton. You know, I feel like he really, even in, in a 15-teamer, probably would rather have him as my second outfielder. But, you know, was able to follow up with Yasiel Puig. So, you know, felt pretty good about that. And then didn't take a starter till my sixth pick. That was uh, Masahiro Tanaka. 
But then I had to kind of you know follow a similar thing where I followed up Upton with Puig. I had to come back pretty quickly, get uh, John Lester and Kyle Hendricks. I don't have a, a Cubs fixation or anything. Just thought that uh, they were very good value at that point. So you know, starting off a, a rotation with uh, Tanaka, Hendricks, and Lester in a fifteen-teamer. I'll excuse me. I'll take that. Uh, I will definitely take that. Uh, I also waited on uh, going for saves, which is you know pretty typical. Uh, I, I don't tend to go aggressively there. And got Sean Doolittle, who I draft a lot, because if you're not going to get a Kenley Jansen or or, uh, or Craig Kimbrell, he's, to me, he's the next best thing. Uh, I mean, Grant, the next best thing literally would be somebody in the next tier, like a Brad Hand or Rysel Iglesias. But if you, you, you miss out on all that, Doolittle is, you know, one of the few pitchers, I'd say Brandon Morrow's another who could give you something pretty close to elite-type numbers, and you just have to hope that they stay healthy because that's why they're cheap. But what um, what was unusual for me is that I had to wait even longer, or not that I had to, but I chose to wait even longer to get my second reliever. So obviously the, the pickings are not ideal, and I wound up with, with Fernando Rodney, and I did come back three rounds later, or actually, I'm sorry, four rounds later, and uh, got Addison Reed. So I'm you know, I'm fairly happy with with the way that that worked out. But uh, you know, getting to some more general trends across the 13 leagues, I I, I saw you know some interesting things, and one one player that really stood out to me was Manuel Margot going with the first pick in the ninth round uh, in my league. So that's 121st overall. I checked that uh, across all 13 leagues, and it, it was right in line. His ADP in the uh, Great Fantasy uh, Baseball Invitational Leagues, 117. 117. Now, on this, these are all Fantrax leagues, so for a basis of comparison, I'm, I'm using Fantrax ADP. And in the general Fantrax drafting population, uh, Margot has a 141 ADP. So we in the industry, and when I say we, I am not really including myself, but we in the industry do seem to like him quite a bit better than the most uh, most drafters up to this point. And yet even the 141 ADP across the Fantrax leagues generally strikes me as very high for Margot. Now, if you go by uh, projected roto value using steamer projections, and that's what they do on rotographs, Margot's projected value among outfielders is 44th. 44th. I mean, almost almost an endgamer. Um, and in terms of projected roto value, just a, a handful of names, a handful of players who are going or who have a projected value greater than Manny Margot, Brett Gardner. Trey Mancini, Odubel Herrera, Kevin Kiermeyer, and Gardner and Kiermeyer in particular, I find interesting comparisons because I think they they should give you stats that are pretty much in the same neighborhood. You know, uh, power speed, moderate power and speed combos, uh, with you know not 
not a great batting average, you know, pretty mediocre batting average. So I decided to go on Twitter and see what you all thought. So I asked, which of these outfielders will produce the most run value this season, Gardner, Margot, or Kiermaier? And Margot won the thing by a lot, 45%. 45% to Manny Margot, 32 to Kiermaier, who would have been my answer. 23% to Gardner. So it's interesting. Uh, I may need to look at more why uh, I there's a there's a real disconnect between what I see from Andy Margot and what uh, most drafters see. And and you know I, I reference the steamer projection because I think it's spot on uh, in terms of you know what we can expect from Margot. So uh, well we. That, that'll be one I'll dig into a little bit later. But I've only got a couple minutes left here. We just want to make a few other uh, observations in terms of the overall ADP and the great fantasy baseball invitational drafts. Uh, Yadier Molina, who uh, Mike Zizlinski mentioned earlier on the show, uh, he is going uh, as one of the, the end game picks in these leagues. I think that's tremendous value. I mean, he's not necessarily an exciting player, but he had 18 home runs and had nine steals last year. And you know that he's almost certainly not going to hurt you for batting average. It might help. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Scott Kingery also going in one of those last slots uh, during the, the regular portion of the draft. And, uh, you know, he's got some power speed uh, appeal. I also have questions about Kingery, too. And I talked about him on, on yesterday's show with uh, Liz Rocher. But... You know, just a, a little bit of time at AAA. He had, you know, these inflated numbers at Reading because Reading's this incredible home park. But, uh, you know, not great plate discipline. I mean, he gets a nice park in Philly, but uh, I think he's great, great value as a late rounder, Scott Kingery. And I'm glad to see people aren't going overboard because I'm really not sure how the skill set is going to translate uh, in the majors, particularly as a rookie. Another name I thought was interesting was David Peralta. Again, one of the last players going in terms of ADP, uh, you know, 23rd, 23rd round. I've really overlooked Peralta because, you know, he too, not an exciting player, not going to, you know, probably be a 20 homer hitter. I always think of him as a guy who doesn't really play much against lefties. But last year, he got a fair number of starts against lefties. And granted, that's probably going to hurt his batting average. But the more he plays, obviously, that's also going to help. Uh, help his counting stats. And even if he does play a lot against lefties, I mean, this is a guy who uses the whole field. He's a good contact hitter, you know, could hit 300. And especially, uh, you know, it's, it's a nice trade-off. He doesn't play that much against lefties. I mean, I really like his chances to hit 300. Uh, if he does play frequent, more frequently against lefties, still could be 290, you know, maybe even 300. So batting average is something sometimes that I overlook. And Peralta's a nice, nice grab there with the last pick. So that, that was, uh, I'm glad I came across that. But uh, anyhow, so uh, that's going to be a wrap for this show. And I'm counting it down to Tout Wars. It's coming up this Saturday. So in fact, uh, tomorrow will be my last show before I leave for Tout Wars. So I'll be uh, talking about that. Anyways, do be sure to tune in tomorrow, 3 p.m. Eastern. Uh, New Pacific and have a great day everybody and I'll see you again tomorrow.